Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Let's go ahead and uh, take our Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 8. And if uh, you're just joining with us, uh, we have uh, started this series about uh, growth and uh, what growth is for the Christian. And uh, God uses the word sanctification. And uh, the word sanctification simply means to be set apart. It's the word holiness is what we find in God's word. And so when a person comes to faith in Christ, they repent of their sin, they believe the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell in that person, and God begins the process or the work of sanctification. That's what we find in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse number 10. You are his workmanship created unto good works. And so God begins this work of sanctification, not in the fact that we do good works to be saved, but because we are saved, our life will be evidenced by uh, good works. And so God is doing this work of sanctification, this process of sanctification in our life to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And it's an ongoing process. It begins the moment we... uh, become a believer in Christ. It continues on through our life until finally uh, one day when you take your last breath here and uh, when Christ returns, uh, we will have an ultimate sanctification. That means that we will be both body uh, and soul, that our whole body, holy, holy, sanctified before the Lord. And so we've been talking about this matter of growth and what it is. We've been laying a doctrinal foundation because everything after uh, this week uh, is to follow as far as like prayer, uh, the word, uh, situations that come into our life, all that has to do with sanctification and that is the practical side of it. But it's important to understand the doctrinal side of sanctification and how it is working in our life and what the word of God teaches about about sanctification. And so, uh, as we uh, talked about last week about our uh, process of sanctification, of how we grow, uh, one of the things that uh, we came to understanding about all of this, and uh, this is what I'd like for you to take away with you again today, is I can grow in Christ through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we didn't get the chance to finish this up, so that's what we're going to be doing here uh, today. So I can grow in Christ through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's just kind of briefly recap a little bit kind of what we covered, and then uh, we'll catch us up here uh, to speed with all this. So the first thing that we saw here out of Romans 8, 1 through 11, is that we have the spirit of life. And if you can remember, is what we studied in Romans chapter number 6, that When we became a believer in Christ, we died with Christ. That was the work of Christ. He died on the cross. And so when Christ died on the cross and we became a believer, we died with him. And our sin died with him. And you have to think about the process of that because that's the whole argument that Paul is saying. Should we continue in sin, that grace would abound. 
By no means. God forbid that we should ever live that way because it wouldn't be living up to our position in Christ. If Christ has set us apart, if he has declared us holy, we should not be living in sin anymore. And so how are we supposed to live? Remember in Romans 7, Paul goes through the whole thing about uh, the things that I want to do or the things that I don't do and the things that I don't want to do or the things that I do. How many of you struggled with it that just this past week? Yeah. I did too. There are many things that I wanted to do that I didn't do, that I should have done, I didn't do them. And many things that I shouldn't have done and I did do them. And Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, I thank God uh, through Christ Jesus that gives me the victory through all of this. And Romans 8 begins with this whole thing. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we have the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit gives us life to allow us to have the opportunity to actually live out the Christian life as what God has uh, called us to live. Then we looked at a second thing, and that was the spirit of adoption. When we come to faith in Christ, God's word tells us here in Romans 12, uh, 8, 12 through 17, that now we have received the spirit of adoption as sons. And we cry, Abba, Father. And I gave you the illustration. It's one thing if I was a repeat uh, offender of, a, of a, a, a criminal and I continued to do wrong and I went before the judge and the judge forgave me and let me go. That would be one thing. But then the other thing would be for that judge now to bring me into his home and adopt me as his son. And that's exactly what God does. He, gives, he forgives us on the basis of Christ's work on the cross. Christ bore our sin. He was sacrificed for our sin. He took our sin upon himself, bore it on the cross. He became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And furthermore, now he adopts us as sons. Knowing the worst about us, he adopted us. And then the third thing that we looked at here was that we have this spirit of hope. And this was really interesting as we looked in Romans 8, 18 through 25, because he talks about the spirit, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of hope. And he goes on talking about how creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And how all of creation is groaning all of it. And one thing that you need to remember is even in your life, in the whole process of sanctification, everything that God is doing in your life, you are not alone in all of this. It's not a woe is me because all of creation is under the curse. And all of this was designed by God. Why? Because he gives us this whole thing about this. And he tells us, verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that's exactly what we're doing as believers here and now. All of the trials, all of the difficulties that we are encountering in life, God is using them in our life to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And we're waiting in hope, anticipation for when Christ returns and that we will be given a new body and we will be 
redeemed. We will have that adoption as sons. And that brings us up here to this next part of these verses here. Romans 8, 26 through 27. We have the spirit of help. Now, this is all part of our sanctification, and it's the Holy Spirit that is working in our lives to bring about sanctification. You know, we all know that we are not what we should be. All of us know that. And we all have this struggle that is really going on inside of us. It's a constant struggle that we are, that we are dealing with. But a thing that God does in our sanctification is that he has given us the Holy Spirit who ministers to us as our helper. He comes along as our aid. That's what Jesus said. He says, I will not leave you, right? He said, if I go, I will send a what? A comforter. I'll send a helper, one who's going to come alongside and help you uh, in your Christian life. And so he comes to our aid at points in our weakness and our inability. Listen to what Romans 8, 26 or 27 says. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us. So the Spirit not only gives us hope, but likewise, the Spirit now also helps us in our what? Weakness. And you know, that's exactly where we all find ourselves every single day, in weakness. All of us, I think, at some point in our life, sometimes we like to think that we are something special, that we have the gumption in order to do it ourselves. But you know what? In reality, because we are fallen humanity, we are weak. That's, what the, that's the declaration that Paul made in the Romans 7 there. He talks about that the flesh is what? Strong? Weak. It's very weak. And so we need the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness and inability. You know, I understand the help of the Holy Spirit to be a far broader than just helping us pray for those things which we cannot put into words. Because he even says here, it says, and he, he gives us the inner heat, the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So it's more than just prayer. It says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so sure, there are times that when we pray that we don't really know exactly what to pray and the Holy Spirit helps us, but I believe the, how the Holy Spirit is helping us is far greater than just through prayer. Because some things simply cannot be put into words, any words, any language, native, foreign, and it's at these times when our humanity is stretched beyond measure. Remember what Paul said? He said with the times that he was going out and ministering, he says there were times that he was stretched and he actually prayed. He's, he's thinking, man, I just wish we could just get out of this, this, this uh, position that we are in right now. We're struggling. It's almost to a point of death. And Paul says, I've been stretched beyond measure. Have you found yourself in that time of life before, stretched beyond measure, well, guess what? You have been given the Holy Spirit to help you and to aid you uh, in those times of weakness. And so the Holy Spirit ministers on our behalf, communicating for us the deepest longings and desires within us. So in reality, 
The Holy Spirit is the source of our sanctification. He is the one that is bringing us through all of these, these things, these pressures of life, these difficulties of life, and he sanctifies us. He's separating us apart for God's purpose and use. One of the things that Paul talked about in Romans 7 was that the law could not and could never sanctify because the law is always showing us exactly how sinful we really are. It's like the x-ray that shows you that you do have cancer. The x-ray is not evil. It shows you the problem, and the problem is within ourselves. The flesh is weak. And so what the law could not do through the weakness of the flesh, God has done through the work of his son on the cross and through the work by the Holy Spirit. We cannot keep the law, but you know who can and who did? Jesus did. And you know who allows us and enables us in order to be able to follow God's law and follow his word? It is through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit as we yield to the Holy Spirit, uh, we're able to then fulfill what God desires for our life. And so it is completely through the work of the Holy Spirit that he does this and he helps us. Now let's look at the next thing here. God will do the sanctifying work. I want you to show you something that's just fascinating about this chapter in Romans 8. Look at Romans 8, verse number one. Look how he begins this. He says, there is therefore now what? No condemnation. Now look how Paul finishes this uh, chapter out in uh, Romans 8. Verse 39, he says, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. So there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And don't miss this. There is no separation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's all part of the work of the Holy Spirit that he is doing in our life. And so this conclusion of chapter 8 here is a victorious shout of praise and confidence for the apostle has proclaimed the sovereignty of God, not only in our salvation, but also in our sanctification. God is in control of all of that. From the beginning of it to the end of it, God is in control of the whole process. And really what an exhilarating chapter this is because of how he talks about how God has worked in all of this. There's no condemnation and there's no separation. And so the victory of the Christian is absolutely certain for the matter is in God's hands. When Christ returns, beloved, when Christ returns, we will be given a new body. Those that are dead in Christ will rise first. They will be changed. They'll be transformed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be changed and transformed before the Lord. So there is no separation. There's no condemnation. God is at work in all of it. But in this process right now, in this moment of time, God is doing a sanctifying work in all of us. And God will 
continue to do that sanctifying work. There's an expression that sometimes goes like this. Maybe you've heard of this. There's only two things in this life that are certain. What are they? Death and taxes, right? Now, I believe this may be true for the unbeliever. But for the true believer in Jesus Christ, we must add at least one more thing. Sanctification. So if you are a believer in Christ, the thing that is true in your life is death, taxes, and sanctification. He will perform that which he has started. He will accomplish it. He's not just going to stop. He's going to perform it, and he will accomplish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so this is the force of these concluding verses here in Romans 8. All of the struggles, all of the turmoil, all of the agony that we face in our life is part of God's plan to conform us to himself. I want to show you here these verses. Just follow along with me. Romans 8, 28 through verse number 30. Look what he says here. Verse 28. And we know... That for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so this stresses that not only, uh, only are all the things for God's glory, but also for the good of the Christian. See, it is God who is active in all of the affairs of our life. Don't miss that. God is active in all of the affairs in your life, everything. He's sovereign, he's in control. And so if he is active in all of that, it is God who causes then all things to work together. The events of our lives are no accident. They are the handiwork of a sovereign God, everything in your life. I know there's been many times in my life that situations that have happened, and I was floored by what, what took place. I, 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 it was, I was taken back at what had happened. And I think to myself, what, what just happened here? What, why is this going on? What, what happened? And if I'm not careful and I don't remember that God is in control of it, then I can become bitter, I can become angry, I can start to think that God is somewhat trying to uh, do something to punish me as an evil taskmaster. Listen, if you are a son of God, if you are a son and daughter of God, God brings things into our life to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ that is part of his sanctifying work. And so it is God who causes all things to work together. You see, we are reminded that it is all things that work together. He doesn't just say some things. He says, all things. This must include those things which are pleasant as well as the unpleasant. The things we call good and those things that we think are bad. Every circumstance in our lives contribute to our good and God's glory. Did you ever think about that? That God does what he wants to do for his own personal use and glory? Sometimes we look at that and we say, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, last time I checked, we are the creation and he's the creator. He has control. We don't. We don't get to choose what God thinks is fair or is not fair. 
So God is in control of everything. Every circumstance in our life contributes to our good and God's glory. And then he says here that we should see that all things work together. We cannot look at things in isolation. Think about what God is doing and how he is using the circumstances in life to bring about his glory for your good. So don't ever look at the things that happen in your life as just an isolating event because God is is at work. He's doing something. He's going to bring about sanctification in your life. And so God accomplishes his good and perfect and acceptable will in his own way in our lives. Now look at verse 29 of 30, because this really reminds us that salvation from beginning to the finish is the work of God. And he loses no one along the way. Look what he says, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, don't let these verses trouble you, okay? I know that these verses have been the source of, of, of several uh, debates and, and things like that. Don't let them trouble you. We shouldn't skip over them because it's in the word of God. We should allow the word of God to speak for itself, and to accept what God has to say here. And so when we encounter these verses, we need to look at them. We need to study them carefully. Now, time will not allow us to really dive into everything about all of this. But the sequence here, I want you to see the sequence of what God is doing in our salvation from the beginning to the end. God is the author of all of it, okay? Look at the verses and how the sequence of them follows. You have foreknowledge, you have predestination or predestinated, calling, justification, glorification. So what do these words mean? Well, foreknowledge is basically that God knows who his children are. God knows who his children are will be. If we believe the fact that we know that God is sovereign, that God is in control of everything, God knows everything, does God know who is going to come to faith in Christ? Yes. And so God knows these things. Not only that, but then we see here the fact of predestinated. And when he talks about this predestinated, it determines what God's people will be. What will God's people be? We will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's already been set. God has already put these things in motion before the foundation of the world. God had it all planned out that those whom would come to faith in Christ would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And he has it set there. Then he has here about this calling, those whom he called. Calling is that point in time when the unbelieving is invited to be part of God's family. God invites, God calls people to salvation. The Bible tells us that the, that the father is the one 
that uh, is, is drawing, whom the Father is drawing. Christ says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And so this calling, when we come to faith in Christ, and then justification is the sinner's participation in the benefits of the works of Christ on his behalf. We are justified before Christ. How are we justified? Because of something good we did? No, we are justified solely on the basis of the merit of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ took our sin. He took our punishment. He bore our sin. He bore our shame so that we would be forgiven. God doesn't just simply forgive us. He had something had, someone had to take our penalty and that was Jesus Christ. And then lastly, he talks about this glorification. And glorification is the full future realization of all that God has purposed us to be. And so this will be our ultimate and final sanctification. So there's no question at all of what God is doing in this whole process. From the beginning of salvation, God knows everything. God knows who's gonna come to faith in Christ. God is never surprised going, oh, would you, I, I would have never thought that. He knows, he knows. And so from the beginning of our salvation all the way to the end of our salvation in glorification, Christ is in control of all of it. God is in control and he loses none along the way. Why? Because Jesus said, whom the Father has given me, he says, I will lose none. And so if, if Christ loses some, well, that makes Christ out to be a liar, doesn't it? He says, I will lose none. And so from our salvation to our glorification, it's all the process of God. And so God will do the, sanctify, the sanctifying work. Now, notice how Paul is going to lay all this out as far as our response to knowing all of these things. Because if you get the understanding of our salvation to our sanctification and how God is at work at all of it, look how this allows the believer in Christ, what confidence it gives the believer in Christ to live. Notice how he lays this out, and he does it through a series of questions and answers. Look what he says here in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If, God's, if God is the, in the process of our salvation, and he is all the way through the process of our sanctification, what should we say to these things? What are we going to say? What does he say? If God is on our side, who could be against us? This is not to say that there is no one against us because certainly Satan is against us, isn't he? Right? But if God is for us, who is Satan to oppose us? If the sovereign God of the universe is for us, then there is no enemy that can harm us. There is no enemy at all that can stand against what God is doing in our life. If God's power was sufficient to save us, if God's love was strong enough to send his only son to the cross for us, then there is nothing which he will not do for us as his sons. Look at verse 32, what he says here. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, 
all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What should you say to your salvation? What should you say to God's sanctifying work in your life? Nothing can stand against it because God is at work in all of it. Look at the second question that he says about here. Verse number two, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God, the sovereign judge of the universe, has declared us to be righteous through the work of his son. And so who is there to bring a charge against the elect of God? Nobody. If God has declared you righteous, then you are righteous. That's it. Nobody can bring a charge against you to say, well, you know what, that person, yeah, Satan can, Satan can do all he wants and he can, he can sit there and say what he wants to say, but nobody can bring a charge against God's elect. Look at question number three, verse number 34. Who is the one who condemns? Who is it? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is at the work in the process of salvation and our sanctification, who is the one who condemns? Would anyone dare to condemn us before the God who has given us his only son to save us? Christ has borne our sins on the cross. There is now therefore no condemnation. Further, he is at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf. So who is the one to condemn? No one. Verse, number, uh, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Let me ask you a question. Is there anything in this universe greater than God? No, not at all. Is there anyone greater than God? No. So if this is true, then there is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. Our salvation, our sanctification is as secure as the God of heaven is strong. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so it is with this confidence that we may live out our Christian responsibilities in our life, knowing that God is the source of our salvation. He is the source of our sanctification and therefore it is sure. So what God is doing in our life, this whole process of sanctification, you can be sure that God is doing it for his own purpose and use because he is, wants to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the doctrinal side of sanctification. This is what God is doing in our lives. Now, the practical side of that, the things that we encounter day by day, prayer, Bible reading, all these uh, Christian things that we do in our life, God uses those to work sanctification in our life. But this is how God is working in our life. And so in the following weeks to come, uh, we're going to now start looking at the practical side of that sanctification process. But let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, 
visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.